Hey, do you want more WT fodder throughout the week? If so, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WTFADA underscore podcast. There, we post updates about episodes as well as news stories. Usually movies, sometimes just odd. Um, yeah, stay connected. Chewing away, but the grind yields no reward. Why? Comfort? Exercise? Be it neither or both, no one escapes the Maelstrom. Bubblegum Maelstrom number one is on sale now. Head on over to linktr.ee slash awe.comics for links to Bubblegum Maelstrom number one. Own your piece of comics history for only $12. Go get it, folks. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 79th episode of the WT Fodder Podcast. I am Ron, joined here by John. Hi, everybody. I'm John. A little throwback to the early days when I couldn't remember who was who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was funny. What? That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. We, we've become such a fine-tuned machine since then. You know? Yeah. We hardly ever make any mistakes now. I learned, I learned who was who. It took a while, <laughs> but I got it. Ron, how are you, man? Uh, I'm okay. I um, it was the first day of my vacation, so oh, uh, good for you. Starting to relax. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm enjoying myself so far. Haven't done too much, but that's kind of the idea. That's exactly the idea. Oh yeah, that's what I want to do on vacation. Anytime I've ever done a vacation where i could go somewhere i'm like why didn't i just stay home and do nothing because it doesn't feel like a vacation yeah it like becomes more work than it's worth i am going up to maine um for a couple of days uh driving up tomorrow but uh good for you yeah but other than that i mean i don't really have many plans i don't even have many plans when i'm up there i'm just gonna kind of scoot around portland a little bit yeah Poland's uh, a nice area yeah. i like that area a lot yeah they got like a nice arts uh district and everything so yeah i'm gonna go spread the good word wt fada up in port when i'll be knocking on Brings, doors uh, yeah going door to door there give them <laughs> some you, stickers have you heard of our lord and savior john callahan yeah <laughs> <laughs> if they have i'm sure they've already given up on me <laughs> why have you forsaken me john kelly uh man what's been going on with you same old shit my dude 
Yeah. But it's been nice. Yeah. Starting to get into the flow of things with uh, the new job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. I set schedule, getting out at a decent time, hmm. having all this time afterwards to waste. Mm. It's wonderful. That is good. That is good. I, uh, I, I, I noticed like you're wearing a very, very striking shirt today. Uh, and then as you were talking, I just realized that Spider-Man's there. It's like this black and white and red print shirt. It almost now I'm realizing might be like a mismatch of different panels going on there. Is that what the structure is? Thing is, yeah, cool. so let me, yeah, hold on, yeah, check, check this thing out, man. Damn, it's pretty dope, yeah, pretty fucking cool. Wow. Oh, yeah, wait, yeah. see, right, this way. oh, there. yeah, wait, squeeze wait. it, yeah. I think there's That's some good. on the back, no, there's like, uh, no, no. It? there it is, oh, there yeah, there's, is. there it is, there it is. Yeah. Then while so, you're there, while you're in that position, can you pull oh, your pants down a little there, and then uh, are we are uh, we are we live? Spread the cheeks a little. <laughs> um, I feel like what's on my shirt. Wait till you see what's. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I got this um, down in Cape Cod. I forget exactly where, but hmm. I saw the shirt, and it's like a two XL. It's way too big for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, you know, I'm just going to fucking buy it. And yeah. I haven't seen it in years. And Haley was cleaning and she was like, here's the shirt. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's hey. comfy. I dig it. It's cool. Yeah. So, you know, fuck it. I threw it on. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a very interesting print. Have not have not seen that shirt on anybody else. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was some like, I don't know. I think it was some antique store or something. I'm not sure. Wow. But, yeah. Cool. Um, seeing that we're on the subject, did you did you hear about uh, Spider Man three, the the third Tom Holland Spider Man? Uh, no, I have not heard the most recent news. What's it's going on? canceled. Um, Tom Wait, Holland really? has been in a horrific car accident, and they don't think he's going to make it. You're lying. I know. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. I was like, if you were delivering that news to me, you'd be way more sincere about it. No, I uh it, so both all right, so not both. Uh all three, Tom Holland, um Zendaya, and the fella that plays Ned Jacob Batalon. Mm-hmm. Um they had a joke where each of the three of them released a uh, released a, a, a logo for the new movie, and it was like one of them was Spider Man Home Wrecker. Um, <laughs> one of them was like I, I gotta find all of them, but uh, hang on. Uh, Spider Man Phone Home was another one uh and spider-man home slice was the one that saw, uh zendaya did i saw the spider-man phone home thing i'm like what is that but i didn't look into it i just kept scrolling yeah <laughs> I, yes. that was pretty funny. I guess uh the tom holland one was spider-man phone home zendaya had spider-man home slice and then uh jacob Batalon uh shared spider-man home wrecker that's um, awesome and then there was a video that was released of 
it, it was basically like Tom Holland walking out of director John Watts's office and uh, Zendaya and Jacob Badawan are there. And he's like, he says that neither of the three titles that we put up are the real one. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah. And like, they're, they're like, kind of like, it's a, it's a bit, you know, and they're walking and the camera's tracking with them. And then as they walk past a board, they pan over and you see, um, you see the actual title of the film mm-hmm. has been released and it is Spider-Man No Way Home. Hmm. Yeah. No Way Home, huh? No Way Home. Um, so yeah, I mean, people are excited. It seems to be, it, it, it seems like it could possibly be, um, alluding to the, uh, you know, the, the idea of like the multiverse and like, if he gets lost someplace in like another dimension or something, you know? So we know that Dr. Strange factors into this story. Um, yes. So yeah, I mean, kind of cool. Um, other people pointed out that in the actual video, there's a staticky kind of a uh, couple of insert shots that happen, like between basically there's a whiteboard version of the logo that transitions to the actual logo afterwards. And as it transitions, it like has this like flickery glitchy effect. And -hmm. people were saying that that's very similar to some of the effects that they're using on WandaVision right now. Um, Really? Yeah. So it's like alluding to the idea that whatever the Scarlet Witch is doing on WandaVision uh, is having massive ramifications for the entire Marvel universe. And that might be part of the reason why Spider-Man gets lost in another dimension. Um, yeah. Which is kind of cool. I like that idea. Have you watched WandaVision at all? I have not watched WandaVision. I do not have Disney Plus anymore. Um, I had it for a bit. And I, you know, I'm not like a Disney guy. And <laughs> I found myself getting to a point where it was like, all right, like The Simpsons like lost it's it's you know it lost something like it's been so it's been done to death it's become like a parody of itself now and it actually has like kind of seeped back in time and kind of affected my enjoyment of the earlier episodes Um, really yeah like i don't really like the even like when i watch the earlier episodes now i just get depressed thinking about how bad it gets eventually you know (laughs) um so there's that angle that's how I look back at like the happy moments of my childhood. <laughs> I'm like, these times are great. And I'm like, but it gets so bad. Why? Why are you, why are you saying honest things? Stop it. Nobody wants to hear this. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, they do because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, you know, that can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah so I had like, you know, basically you know between that america's funniest home videos it's like i've seen as much of that as i need to watch uh and then i watched the marvel movies while i had it and that was fine you know mm-hmm. re-watching all those um and then the only other thing to really hold on to was like the mandalorian who admittedly i have not watched the mandalorian i'm interested in it 
Uh, I haven't either. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Disney Plus just doesn't have that much content that I'm terribly interested in. So I haven't been able to watch WandaVision just yet. But I yeah. people say it's great. And the little bits and pieces that I do here, I'm like, okay, I kind of like what you're doing. But I don't know. I watched the very first episode and it was like, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. And it didn't really motivate me to continue watching, but I hear it gets so much better, which I figured would be the case. I just mm-hmm. haven't gotten around to watching it yet. So no shade to WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely do want to continue watching it when I get a chance though. Yeah. I mean, I think the, like what they're doing is kind of a, a daring strategy of like a, like it's obvious that they're building towards something, but the way that they're going about it is very, they're not letting the audience know right up front what they're doing. Um, and I appreciate that. That feels like bolder storytelling for Marvel than I've seen in a while. You know, mm-hmm. like we're just going to start like three episodes in, you're still going to be like, what the fuck is actually going on? Like, I can't tell, is this a joke? Is it like, does this mean anything like what the fuck that stuff is kind of cool you know mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean I, i'm interested in that series and i'm interested in catching up on the mandalorian um some at some point i'll like restart my disney plus subscription and check those out but not today um so yeah i mean i'm excited spider-man 3 um Spider-Man, clearly my favorite superhero. I think I've probably mentioned on the podcast before. Definitely talked to you about it. You know it. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about it. And I do love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Do you have any wish list ideas of what you want to see? Because I I can tell you that right now, the only thing that that I I think, the only things that I, I believe are actually confirmed is that we're getting Jamie Foxx's Electro from the amazing spider-man uh part two or no well the amazing spider-man 2 um yeah the amazing spider-man 2 is uh very uh very not great it was like the the late 90s batman movies where they just completely lost their shit and had no idea what they were doing anymore it's yeah you know there's like three three villains in there uh none of the three villains in there are interesting in any way mm-hmm. uh, the spider-man suit's awesome in it so that's cool um but yeah so we're getting jamie fox's electro we're getting alfred molina's dr octopus from uh spider-man 2 the toby mcguire one um we obviously have dr strange in this um and I don't know that anything else is confirmed. There's a ton of rumors about different people appearing in it, but nothing for sure. Is there anything that you really want to see in particular? Um, <clears throat> I don't know what that face is. I'd kill for an Aunt May sex scene. Like <laughs> Rosemary Harris, Sally Field, and... Uh, and it, like all three of the Aunt Marissa, Marissa Tomei, Marissa Tomei, yeah, like you want all three of them together. I, I wasn't originally going in that direction, but now that you say it, yeah, it would be on burn with the movie, so why not? That'd be awesome. 
and and uh you know i could see like <laughs> dr strange being like this is this is uh this is and peter just being like strange and him being like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean no i'm, I'm <laughs> I don't, yeah, no, I don't know, man. You know, I usually just go along for the ride. There's nothing like in particular I'm hoping to see, um, and not anything else that what's what's already been confirmed. Yeah, I think my my big wish list thing is look. I, everybody points to Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus as like, wow, that's like the best, you know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah he is definitely up there. Um, that being said, the that Dr. Octopus doesn't necessarily feel like a recognizable version of Dr. Octopus from the comics to me. Like yeah. in the comics, he's much more of like a, like a, um, I would never categorize him as tragic in the comics. He just seems like an actual mad scientist in the comics. And yeah. I, so I, you know, I like that Dr. Octopus, um, but out of all the villains that they put in any of the Spider-Man movies, I have to say that, uh, man, and I, I have a soft spot for him because of the comics, but like Mysterio, the that Jake Hall Mysterio is so fucking good. And the way that they leave him off in Spider-Man Far From Home, I'm like, that, do you believe that he's he's dead in no. that story? Like, there's no fucking way. Like, his last words are you know and today people will believe anything and then he fucking dies and it's like that's bullshit he's fucking alive you know mm -hmm. and oh, i feel I, I like so he has there's more to what's going to happen so i, I really hope that jake joan hall's mysterio is at least hinted at as being you know a alive or even involved in this plot in some way i, mm -hmm. I just think that his chemistry with tom holland is really great and he probably had the most interesting villain material to work with in a while. Like right. a lot of people are like, Thanos was so cool, all that stuff. And I'm like, Thanos doesn't have shit on Jake <laughs> Joan Hall's Mysterio. That character is so fucking good. The way that he befriends Peter and Jake Joan Hall seems like he's such a, he's such a good actor. So, you know, when he's pretending to be the good guy and developing that relationship with peter you like genuinely believe that he's the good guy even me knowing that mysterio's a villain was like is it a different take like are they doing something different with him and then the betrayal the realization that like oh no he's like a con man like for real a con man uh and just some of like his intensity in that uh in that latter half of the story where he's mm -hmm. like you know fire all the drones you know like he's like screaming into the phone and stuff like he he's so good so good the design of the costume was amazing the the way that they utilize the character it, it, all of that so good i want more mysterio that's my wish list i'm sure we'll get it like i said i never got the feeling even afterwards that it was over that um we saw the last of him couldn't be right it just couldn't be i'm curious to see how they write themselves out of that particular corner you know because it does yeah. feel like uh you know you have to do a little bit of explaining to uh to understand how he how he did it but once they uh 
you know, I, I think it's worth it's worth doing. If he's like involved with the Sinister Six, they build like the villain team uh, and have him involved in the Sinister Six. I'm going to be very happy, very happy with that. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, I uh, I don't know. I don't have too much else to say. Uh, I read parts of the Vanity Fair article with Zack Snyder talking about the Snyder cut and all the fucking tomfoolery that happened behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's amazing how fucking cutthroat uh, that particular Warner Brothers regime was. Uh, yeah? Yeah, all the shit that they did and like they just, you know, flat out lied about shit to him and like i don't know man it's just it's ugly business i really hope that when uh the snyder cut comes out i hope that people really enjoy it but only time will tell we're almost there i know soon right release month yeah uh march 18th um yeah i don't know man it's gonna be Gonna be interesting to see a four-hour cut of uh, of a superhero movie, you know? Yeah, like <laughs> colossal epic, you know. Some of the stuff in it looks amazing, though. Some of the visuals that they're doing, and like they've talked about some type of secret cameo at the end of the movie. And Ryan Reynolds has said that it's not him as uh, Green Lantern but I'm still suspicious. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I believe that they might do that. You know, they might be like, yep, there he is. But I don't know. Guess we'll see. I know. It's, a, it's an interesting time to be a movie fan because I feel like there's so little content and also the content that we are getting. If it was just released in theaters, it wouldn't be as... Uh, important or something or you wouldn't have as much hyper focus on it but like i watched the little things again you know because it's like what else am i gonna do okay there's a you know relatively new movie i sat down and i watched the little things again like watching it and putting it under even further scrutiny and i'm like oh man what the fuck what's going on (laughs) with this thing why why they do these things you know like that even the girl in the beginning i was watching it and she's like driving down the road and then all of a sudden there's like a car like zooming up on her and then it swerves around her and then it like matches her speed and it drives way up ahead of her and then it like slows down and then she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god and she's getting closer and closer to it and she's like fuck it and she like swerves around it and she drives ahead of it real fast and then it like kind of like slows down to a start a stop and she sees it in her rear view getting more and more distant and then she sees a like a service station she like swerves into the service station and she immediately jumps out of her car and runs up to try to open the door to the service station she can't open it she starts banging help 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 right and i'm like at at that point you drove so yeah the guy was driving erratically he got real close to you pulled up alongside you passed you then slowed down and then you swerved around him he hasn't he's not chasing you though right like you swerved around him you drove away and you watched this headlights get smaller and smaller into the back she stops at that service station in like an all-out panic 
and it it feels odd like really strange like uh, she didn't need to stop she could have just kept driving and she would have been fine right yes like yeah. i don't really understand it or even if she was like i want to be near people when she thought if i stop at the service station there will be people there um and then she was wrong you know like like it would have been fine if you saw her like pull into the to the place and she like is still looking down the road and she can kind of see the headlights like way in the distance and she's like okay it's okay it's okay and she like walks up to the door to like go into the place and then she can't get in and then she's like oh shit and she's like okay it's fine and she like starts to walk back to her car and then she sees that car approaching and then she sees it pull in to the service station and like come up behind her car and then stop then it would be like okay now to, now it's time to panic because it's like what this guy like has followed you to this location but it just seems really weird i was watching it again today and i was just like what the fuck is happening why is this happening you know yeah they're like trying to manipulate me into feeling peril and it's not working like it, it doesn't you, you can't just like have character just do like wildly inconsistent things and have me be like okay i'm 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 right with you i'm scared too i hope nothing happens you know yeah Yeah. it's like it's almost insulting yeah when they try doing shit like that yeah because you know what they're doing yeah and it takes you right out of it that scene doesn't even go anywhere like she doesn't get caught she she runs out into traffic and flags down a Big Mac truck. I thought that what we were going to find out is that the Mac truck stops, but then she still is killed, right? And I thought what we were going to find out is like, you know, we think that she's escaping in the beginning, but she actually still is killed. And then it's like, well, how are the how's that car and the Mack truck guy related? And like, you know, was this like a like were they kind of like converging on her from opposite sides to capture her or something? You know, something a little bit more involved instead of her just showing up later on to be like for like to come in and look at a police lineup, you know, and be like, I think that this is the guy that was w- past me in the night on a road. That's all he yeah. did. He passed her. <laughs> and she was like, how to, oh my God, he's trying to kill me. Yeah. Well, he did get out at the at the um, service station, but nothing came of it. At that point, though, like that's where that's where the that's where the terror should kick in. Mm-hmm. But the terror had already kicked in. Like she so she, her whole thing, she got panicky because he passed her and then kind of like he was pretty far up ahead of her. And he yes, he had slowed down, but like it's like it's just a, it's such a weird reaction i don't know i don't know that whole fucking thing <laughs> i really wanted to love the little things and and i don't feel like i did we do this show and the i think sometimes i i'm like much more willing to give things a pass earlier on well, yeah yeah no it's all right you know it's all right and then the more you think about it the more you're like ah shit <laughs> yeah i know like when we're talking about movies even if like i don't like them and i'm like all right i'll try and find positives and i'm like well you know i wouldn't watch it again but uh, you know it's not bad yeah but in reality i'm like that was an atrocious piece of shit there's some movies that just irk me so bad where i'm just like this movie fucking sucked i'm not afraid to say it you're out for blood 
Uh, from London. It's when it's a DC movie that I care about, and you say, fucking rip it apart. Wonder Woman 1984 was the biggest piece of shit I ever seen. You know? I don't think I was that critical. Anybody who likes it's an idiot. I did say that. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you think? You want to throw to commercial and then eviscerate another favorite of mine? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after this brief word from our sponsors. Hey guys, do you need a new bath mat or a shower curtain or maybe even a bedspread? And ideally, would you like those things to have our faces printed all over them? It's a rhetorical question. I know that the answer is yes. A resounding yes. Head over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com so that you can start adorning your house with WT Fada merchandise today. And John, what the fuck are we talking about? The Zodiac. Or Zodiac. The movie Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah. The Zodiac Killer. Yes. Curse of the Zodiac is a 2013 film directed by some asshole on a budget of $10. What did you think of Curse of the Zodiac? Curse of the Zodiac? (laughs) No. uh, Zodiac is the 2007 film directed by David Fincher, uh, known for Seven, Fight Club, and a slew of other great movies. David Fincher is a pretty competent director. Um, what did you, uh, what's, your, what's your overall feeling about Zodiac? I think I showed it to you once before. Yeah, we have watched it before. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy this one, despite mm-hmm. it being almost three hours long. Mm. It was another one of those ones where, you know, he kept engaged and he kind of like played on the mystery of who is it, you know, is this mm-hmm. the guy, is that the guy? Yeah. You know, this one kind of gives you like, it's not just like, oh, there's a killer and who is it? You know, you kind of get to see this guy in action, you know, you don't know who yeah. it is, but you get to see him actually doing shit. Yeah, it's funny, um, you know, the the length that you're mentioning is you're mentioning about it. Uh, I guess that screenplay I've heard anywhere from 150 pages to 200 pages long. Uh, And basically in screenplay format, the general rule of thumb is that one page is one minute. So Mm -hmm. 180 minutes would be three hours. So the shooting script was three hours and uh, 20 minutes at one point. Yeah, you had a little fucking massive fun fact in your your notes there yeah uh it's a fucking incredibly long script and i guess to make up for it fincher said that uh he actually asked the cast to speak faster which is kind of a funny note (laughs) and like you see it in the in the in the you see it in the movie you know you see like the that people were kind of uh the dialogue is like snappier 
then you find in other places, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of, like old Hollywood, like you know the the original talkies where everybody was just like, you know, yeah, yeah, real fast. Um, but yeah, the script, I, uh, you know, I was looking into it a little bit to try to figure out where this all came from and uh you know who was involved and it was very weird to me i looked up james vanderbilt who is the credited writer dawson's creek right yes yes that's him (laughs) heartthrob and he has a brain you know that's what you like you got you know you got an ass that won't quit and a brain that's as sharp as a tack uh sorry uh (laughs) (laughs) um no james vanderbilt um you know he's had he's made other movies but also not really movies that i would categorize as movies like movies that kind of suck and i don't really understand where that came from where zodiac came from i don't know why this one's good all the other ones suck. Yeah, I mean, I got you had quite a list there. Um, so let's see. I have not seen. I saw the first Amazing Spider-Man. Didn't mm-hmm. care for it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen any of the others aside from Darkness Falls. I saw parts of Darkness Falls when I was like twelve, and I liked it, but. Again, I was 12, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, for a middle-of-the-road, kind of, like, in the in the aftermath of, like, the Blair Witch Project, like, it, it was like, oh, yeah, like, this is kind of a fun way to continue on that, like, witch-ghost kind of movie tradition thing. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these credits, man, like, Slender Man... I, I said, I watched that fucking thing, and honest to God, I was like, I wish... I hope that Slender Man is real and I hope he kills me so that I don't have to watch the rest of this movie. Like I, the, like I was like 20 minutes into it and I was like, please, for fuck's sake, I want to die. Um, Not bad, huh? Awful. Joey King was in it. And mm-hmm. even though Joey King's awesome, uh, still, I just was like, I cannot, I cannot fucking stand this movie. It's terrible. Um, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man one, I, I'm okay with. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is garbage. Um, basic, I don't really remember seeing. This is like an old John Travolta movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Meg is that Megalodon fucking shark movie with uh, Jason Statham. I have no yeah, I never interest ended up, in ever watching that. I never ended up watching that either. Anything with Jason Statham. He has a quote about... Uh, about saying like you know uh, who gives a shit about superhero movies they suck unlike my movies and i'm like uh you should sit down and stop embarrassing yourself uh because i i don't think i've ever met anybody that said like jason statham's my favorite i don't think he has anybody in his corner that says those things you know yeah and it's like it's because of the quality of your movie man like nobody likes what you're doing um He's good in ensembles. If you want to throw Jason Statham in like the Expendables, it's like, all right, yeah, okay, you know. But 
as a leading man no thanks Um, yeah ready or not was good though that's like the only other one that i saw in his writing credits that i was like okay yeah um which one's that it came out i think it came out in 2019 um it sounds familiar the girls getting married to this guy that's the heir of like a murder mystery board game family um and you know they get married and then the night after they're married basically they reenact the board game kind of uh and it's like a hide and seek murder mystery kind of thing set in their big mansion and they're trying to like kill her and she has to survive till dawn or something it's it's fun it's like uh it's comedy it's dark um it's a little bit of everything it's actually uh i think it's bill's daughter from bill and ted three is the week oh okay samara weaving i think is her name yeah um yeah it was good i enjoyed it i think i might have seen it twice even um but yeah james vanderbilt he just has a name that you would think like he's like one of those like really thoughtful you know thoughtful screenwriters there's something in that like vanderbilt just sounds so robust and intelligent and then you see the work that he puts out and you're like oh i'm sorry you know (laughs) i feel bad yeah (laughs) sure he tries he must you know he must think he's pretty good i mean he gets steady work I was going to say, he's put out a whole bunch, so it can't be that awful, huh? Yeah, I guess not. I guess he must make a profit. Mm-hmm. But not for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, you watched all the movies, or most of them anyway, so... Yeah, no, I mean, I did somehow manage to go through his entire filmography, and every time I watch his movies, I go, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. You know? I'm like a, like a masochist. Like, I'm torturing myself in the comfort of my own home um yeah so zodiac is uh you know this it's a massive fucking almost like procedural and i think you're tempted to think that it's going to be squarely about the killer but that's not really what happens um it it becomes more of a uh a study of like the people around the Zodiac investigation, which I think is smart because, you know, they never caught the Zodiac um, and approaching it in a way where, you know, you know that your story isn't relying on a structure where you have to like arrest somebody at the end of it, you know, for it to feel complete. You know, this movie is completely open-ended as far as how that investigation goes um, right. But I still feel like it feels complete because it's not about the Zodiac. It's about the people around them, you know? Um, so that's kind of cool. Did you have any, yeah. like, wants from it? Other Like, did it feel complete to you when you watched it? Yeah, I didn't get, um, like, the same kind of feeling when I watched the little things. Mm-hmm. You know? Um <sighs> This one's, I mean, this one seemed like it was 
more of like a natural conclusion of like mm-hmm. you know this is there was a lot more going on this than just trying to find who this guy was you know there's a lot of moving parts there so when you get a story about all these different people and kind of their journey through it and it's not even though like they're all trying to find out who this person is it doesn't feel like the movies revolved around the killer himself so them not finding him and who it was it doesn't really feel like it was um inconclusive i guess yeah i definitely feel like fincher is somebody that has a strong bias as to who he suspects the killer is um and it comes through in the film i think in the actual investigation it's a lot more open-ended where they're like well we we don't have we have things that disprove david fincher thinks arthur lee allen is the guy 100 that's his belief and you know the film is stilted in that way but right, in real right. life and in that actual investigation there's a lot of evidence that seems to disprove arthur lee allen as the killer and sometimes I look at Arthur Lee Allen and I try, I'm like, I don't know if I think he's smart enough to have done this. You know, I question how clever he actually is because the real Arthur Lee Allen kind of looks like a dope. Um, And maybe that's the point. Like maybe that's the point. Like he's, he's cunning uh, and he's using, it's a camouflage right like he looks like just this average joe but he's actually uh this uh you know mega intelligent serial killer that somehow slipped through the cracks and managed to evade capture um but yeah fincher for a long time too for a long time yeah they they never caught him and you know i mean graysmith they weave at the end of the movie that Gray Smith saying that after Arthur Wee Allen suffered a heart attack in the 90s, I think they said, uh, that he stopped pursuing. He never got like another creepy Zodiac call because he used to get calls randomly of somebody breathing heavily on the other end of his line. And he mm-hmm. was always like, that's, it's him, it's him, it's him. And like when Arthur Wee Allen died, then those calls stopped. So it's like, hmm would be kind of a coincidence unless the Zodiac is so clever that he's like, waiting for the like he's still out there he's maybe still alive and Mm -hmm. he heard that arthur lee allen died and then he was like i have to stop doing the phone calls to graysmith so that it looks more like arthur lee allen was the killer you know right that's what i was thinking too but if he was so concerned about that like why would he be doing things like that in the first place you know like I don't know, maybe he had his fun. He's like, I fucked with him enough. This is my out, you know? Um, that's what it is, right? Like, that's the, this guy, the Zodiac wanted to be smarter than everybody. Like, that's his entire impetus is to, like, to me, feels very much like the Zodiac. is just like, I am better than you. I'm more intelligent. You will not capture me. I can do whatever I want. And, you know, it, it feels like he's always flaunting it you know that he's like laughing in the face of everybody that's trying to capture him and uh you know it's kind of interesting the uh it, it feels very almost like childish to me yeah yeah mm-hmm. like the, the the bottom line of it feels childish it's funny like the batman trailer they're you know they're touting the riddler and 
the fact that they have uh in the batman trailer the card that they find is from your secret friend mm-hmm. uh, and then it's actually in this movie it's true it's you know this movie is as close to fact as you probably are going to get about the zodiac investigation in a movie um but you actually see and you see the card that he sends to paul avery uh at one point in the film is from your secret pal Mm -hmm. so it's like they're mere like they're taking the zodiac's whole thing and putting it on the riddler for the batman and it makes a ton of sense because the riddler is always that character too i'm smarter than you nanana boo boo you know that whole thing so the fact that they're that they're kind of modeling him after the zodiac makes a lot of sense with like clues and ciphers and you know variations of riddles and puzzles you know um so excited to see Paul Dano in that movie. Fucking such a good actor. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fincher seems like he has a really uh, has a he's a he's a Fincher seems like he's kind of a sick man in some ways. Like you look at his filmography and you're just like Seven and Fight Club and Zodiac and executive producer on uh mind hunter on netflix like he's really into serial killers um and it is uh really uh telling you know like <laughs> he just seems like he's 100 percent uh you know he's fascinated by them i'm fascinated by them too but yeah he's kind of like the serial killer guy in a lot of ways like when you think of serial killer films his kind of jumped to the top of the list um and i guess one of the reasons that he's interested in zodiac is because he um he was actually growing up in the san francisco bay area during the zodiac killing spree mm-hmm. um and he had this story that I heard him tell that I thought was pretty funny, but he was on a school bus and they were being followed by uh, like, I think it was a California highway patrol or something. And uh, when he got home, he walked up to his dad and he was like, Hey, there were police cars following me uh, on the, on the school bus. They're following my school bus and, and you know, what's going on? Like, why were they doing that? And his father was like, okay, um, so there's a serial killer and he threatened to take a high powered rifle and he said he was going to shoot out the tires of a school bus and then he was going to shoot the kids when they got off of the bus. So that's why the police are following your school bus in case anything happens. And David Fincher was like, you, you can drive me to school you you have a car <laughs> what the fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was like, I was like i'll take my chances right <laughs> yeah i know i could but i don't love you that much you know yeah uh, <laughs> he, he was like that was one of the first instances where i questioned whether my family whether my parents could actually keep me safe you know yeah 
<laughs> but I thought that was a great story because it's just like, yeah, that is like an easy, an easy fix if you're worried about your kid getting killed on the school bus. Just driving to school. Driving yeah. To school and the father is like, I cannot be bothered. Thank you. You know. Um yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more to that story. I mean, his dad probably had a job. It was like, well, I gotta be at work at this time. I can't drive him to school. You know, hopefully they'll keep him safe, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure that he didn't want David Fincher to die. But at the same time, he definitely wasn't proactive in helping him escape that fate. Um, but Fincher's an interesting guy. Like, the, like looking through all of these different things that I had read about him and seen about him, uh, he has like a, like a super photographic memory. Um and I think he has detective skills, like 100%. Um, I'd heard a story about Ken Narwa was like the investigator from uh, Vallejo that had investigated the Lake Berryessa crime scene. And I guess when he took Fincher to that area, uh, Graysmith was with them. And Graysmith said he watched David Fincher like look around at where Ken Narlo had brought them. And then Fincher was like, hmm. He didn't say a word. He just like starts walking away and he walks down around like an inlet and then up onto this little point in the distance. And he's looking around over there and then he walks back. And he walked up to Ken Narwa and he was like, uh, you're, uh, uh, you're wrong. And he was like, the, the murder scene is over there. It happened there. And Ken Narwa looked around and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I took you to the wrong spot. And it's like Ken Narwa is the investigator that like actually was on the scene of the fucking murders, you know, and like. David Fincher, just from looking through all of the notes that he had, all of the police files that he had, he was able to deduce that he was in the wrong spot based upon the fact he couldn't hear traffic where they were standing, which was important in the police report, and also like what he could see from where he was standing and where, the, where those things were lying didn't match up with what he had read. But it's like, how did he do that? Like, it's fucking crazy. That is wild. I would have been like, oh, pretty cool. This is what happened, huh? <laughs> Authentic. Awesome. Let's <laughs> yeah. shoot the movie now. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I can feel it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, I don't know. He's just, uh, like a fascinating dude. But I've also heard that that attention to detail has driven some of the people that he's worked with absolutely insane. Oh, um, I can imagine. Yeah, he's like Jake Gyllenhaal had to do like 120 takes of him just like tossing the sketchbook down into the passenger seat of his car. Like, it's like what, uh, there's something about the exact moment that Fincher is trying to capture. And Jake Gyllenhaal was like, it's fucking, it's a sketchbook that I'm tossing down into the seat of a car. Like how fucking, uh, how fucking specific does it have to be? Like, it, it, do we like? Why are we doing this this many times? And Fincher just being like, "I'm the director. Do what I'm do what I'm telling you. Just keep fucking doing it until I say we're good," you know. Mm -hmm. But 
he has that kind of mentality of like we're shooting digitally we have you know it's not like we're going to run out of film why not take the time to make sure that everything happens exactly the way that it should so that we make the best movie possible i feel like the results kind of speak for themselves you know fincher's movies are like some of the ones that you probably can point at and be like that's relatively flawless you know whereas some other directors like chris nolan is the guy that really wants to get in there and shoot something once you know clint eastwood does that too he's like shoot it once um but there's a lot of like weird little things that don't need to happen in those movies because of that like mistakes and shit that you notice and david fincher doesn't want that to be a thing he wants to like hypnotize you while you're watching the film he doesn't want there to be mistakes because he doesn't want you to like ever disengage from the idea that this is like an actual reality you know right yeah it's an interesting thought i don't have that type of patience i'd be a shoot at once type of guy yeah like ah you know good enough well it feels almost like there's like a spiritual question about that right like you know are you shooting the same thing a thousand times so that you get the actual perfect bit or are you being like let's see what the universe offers up and you shoot it once and however it comes out is the way it goes in you know yeah it's like almost like a philosophical question and i don't know how i feel about it you know i don't know if i feel that one way is better than the other more superior you know any of that stuff i'm not sure but i uh i definitely think that at the end of the uh at the end of the day when you look at fincher's films there are a lot more <clears throat> they're a lot better put together uh than a lot of his peers you know um what else has he done well i mean you know we talked about seven fight club um yep. the social network um benjamin All button movies ben- i've never seen benjamin button benjamin button's pretty good um Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm missing here. I know that there is. Pa- uh, Panic Room he did, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty pretty great. Um, filmography. Uh, the Game. Um, the American remake of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, he did Gone Girl. And I guess he did the 2020 biographical drama called Mank about screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz and his development of the screenplay for Citizen Kane, which that actually sounds kind of uh, fascinating. I kind of Mm -hmm. would be interested in watching that. Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, I'd watch that for sure. But yeah, I mean, just... really good director you know and i don't think that you can argue like you know you might not like his methods but his results are definitely things that speak for themselves um yeah there's a a lot of things in this movie that are kind of you know they're special you know there's like special elements to them that i think that are largely owed to Fincher, you know, 
largely owed to his attention to detail. Um, you know, and, and even like moments where like the Lake Berryessa crime scene couldn't be, it changed, that area changed a lot from the way that it was. And um, in order to get that to match what origin what was originally there, um, he actually had to have like like trees flown in. They cut down trees and then flew them to where they were shooting so that it looked more like it did back then, um, which is fucking weird. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, hey, more power to them. There's videos of them chopping down the trees and then helicopters like flying through the air carrying trees and then dropping them off at the shooting location. <laughs> Super bizarre. Yeah. We need the right trees. Do you imagine your production budget and being like, okay, so we're this is for costuming, this is for that, this is for tree harvesting and uh, replacement, you know? It's like, what what movie are you making? What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Even the trees walk. Just tell them to walk over here. This movie has a pretty stacked cast. A lot of iconic mm -hmm. people. Good. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, um, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And the dude from Grounded for Life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so weird that seeing guy. that guy play in a serious role with like the worst mustache I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah, he does have an incredible mustache in this one. It's weird seeing him with short hair, too. Yeah. I usually think of him as medium length hair. Completely red. Mm -hmm. Just fucking... I think Ground of Life is the only other thing I've seen him in. So he was uh, Harvey Bullock on the terrible Gotham TV show. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's know. it's uh, you know, again, it's another one of those adaptations that just it's not for me. Not for me. Then, Thank you. Obviously, we have John Carroll Lynch, which I think he he's like the guy you want to play a very like creepy ominous serial killer he just yeah. does it so well yeah he's a master master creepy he's mastered the art um mm -hmm. anytime you see him you're just like god damn he's good like the invitation he's awesome uh this is he's awesome um you know even like really schlocky movies he was in that that Howie berry movie called gothica um, I haven't seen that. He was pretty good in that. Um, just a just a great actor. I, I I feel like he doesn't get as much attention as I think he deserves. You know, but yeah, perfect casting for Arthur Lee Allen. Like, just this kind of lumbering, odd man. <laughs> you know, he also played um, the clown in American Horror Story Freak Show. Yep. That really fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's one of those guys like I knew him from the Drew Carey show. He played Drew Carey's uh cross-dressing brother. Um now that you say that, that just brought back all the memories of watching the Drew Carey show. <laughs> How good was that show? I didn't know he was I didn't know he was in there, but now that you said I can I can I remember. Uh yeah, no, he uh he was awesome uh on uh the drew carey show and uh you know 
<laughs> I mean, that show was amazing, and I I kind of missed the fact that they uh, there's some type of rights issue, and I don't know all the particulars about the rights issues, but they can't release the Drew Carey show uh, on any streaming services. They can't release it on DVD. Uh, they can't do anything with it. So there's, I think, like eight or nine seasons of the Drew Carey show that like just no longer exist anywhere. Weird. Yeah, it has to do with the music on the show. Some type of copyright dispute with the music and whoever produced the Drew Carey show is like, we well, ain't fucking paying any money to, you know, get the rights for the music. So they're at like a stalemate, but guaranteed I would buy the whole series of the Drew Carey show if they were. So if anybody that's involved in that is listening, which they're not, but if they are, uh, I will say I will buy the entire series of the Drew Carey show. If you settle that copyright dispute, I will be there. You know, I love that show. Um, oh, but yeah. while we're on the subject of that, I figured that I might as well bring up a, a shot of Steve Carey uh, cross-dressing. Damn, looks nothing like him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's like my first experience with John Carroll Lynch. And then like, mm -hmm. you know, you come to find out like he's this like fantastic fantastic actor you know mm -hmm. um but i always just remember him as drew carey's you know kind of goofy big brother um right. but yeah i mean jesus it's funny too because on that show like dude he looks just like such a lovable dude like he just looks like a nice guy you'd never suspect that he could be like terrifying he is downright terrifying in this well, movie. Well, that's the thing. He can like flip that switch. He can be very like non-threatening and, mm -hmm. and calm. And, and then next thing you know, it just like gets really weird. <laughs> yeah, like, wait a second. <laughs> that um that interrogation scene uh with John Carroll Lynch is one of the best scenes in the movie, uh, based just on his performance. You have like Mark Ruffalo and um, Mark Ruffalo plays Dave Toskey, who's one of the lead investigators, his partner, Bill Armstrong, and then uh, mm, Sergeant Mullinex, um, who's played by Elias Cotius. Um, they're all sitting down with Arthur Lee Allen for the first time. And like, as they're talking to him, uh, there's just too many things lining up that suggests that they're actually sitting right there with the actual Zodiac, um, including his watch, which is a Zodiac watch, which is like, holy shit. It even has like the Zodiac symbol on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but man, like just that moment where like he turns to them and he's just like, I'm not the Zodiac. Just the way that he says it. And, like, <laughs> and even if I was, I wouldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. you're just like what the fuck like it you might as well just be saying i am the zodiac you know well the that scene when um gray smith sees him where he works and mm -hmm. he's just like can i help you and he's like no and like the way he just stares at him jesus yeah. man he just has that look yeah i mean i think that uh i mean i i fincher has no 
qualms about being like Arthur Lee Allen is the Zodiac. Like I think that Fincher 100% out of everybody that Fincher has researched, he's decided Arthur Lee Allen was the guy. Um, and I there's a lot of evidence. Who says there's a lot of evidence disproving that? Yeah, I mean, there is, but he's still my favorite suspect as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is not, uh, you know, let's see here. Um, so Arthur Lee Allen's handwriting didn't match the Zodiac Killer's handwriting. Um, ballistics and prints from a Zodiac murder scene didn't match Arthur Lee Allen's. Um, uh, that's pretty much it though <laughs> like, I, like I just quickly pulled up an article talking about why he wasn't the Zodiac and those are the reasons but it's like okay so ballistics and prints uh, like he could have got rid of the guns that he used in the murder and replaced them with other ones right mm-hmm. um, and Prints could have came from anyone. And handwriting analysis, I don't know about you, but like I will write the number 22 and the twos do not match. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how fucking exact can handwriting analysis be? I, I, For real. There are experts that, you know, that uh, question the validity, of, the, the validity of handwriting in a ton of different uh cases in court you know hardly ever can you like it's almost like a like a lie detector test it's like a super faulty um it's a super faulty science you know a lie detector test people can fail a lie detector test because they're nervous that they're being interrogated by the police not necessarily because they did anything but because they think that the police that are talking to them think that they did it that makes them more nervous and then right. have weird spikes in the readings where it's like they're at we asked him if he killed her and he said no but look at this spike and it's like well he was fucking terrified that you're like saying that you know what i mean like it feels like you're kind of implying that he killed that person you know dude that was like this um this one time i got um i got pulled over because the car I was driving like the motor was like too loud or something uh-huh. and like the people i was with had been like drinking previously so the cop was like i smell call i'm gonna give you field sobriety test i'm like all right whatever you know and it was like the winter time and um mm. he's like if you weren't drinking then why are you sweating and i'm like i'm nervous bro like yeah <laughs> i have like anxiety issues to begin with you know like straight mm. up yeah and like everything was fine he didn't say shit after that but it's like dude like even like even if just seeing cops anywhere it's just like i don't know you just gives you a little like uneasy feeling well because you know that you're doing something wrong no, I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Do I have weed on me? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's yeah. illegal here anymore, but still. Not anymore. So it's a yeah. lawless wasteland now. Right. Um, it's chaos. Chaos reigns. That's a reference to another movie. Chaos reigns. It's a, a reference to uh, Antichrist, which, if you are curious about what that's about, uh, blood comes out of Willem Dafoe's body from a place that you would not expect. I um I read an interesting fact that Willem Dafoe was like all down to go full frontal and everybody who was like filming it were like that thing looks weird so that I think they um 
Yeah, look it up. I didn't like look into it because I'm like, I don't want to know more. <laughs> but yeah, hold on. Do you imagine being like an actor and being like, okay, I'll I'll bear all for the part and everything? And they're like, your dick's weird. We're gonna get a stunt double by you know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like they were like confused or something. I don't know. They were confused by his dick. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw it somewhere. I should have read what it was about. Oh no. What do you think's going on down there? I don't know. Do you think he has a green goblin tattoo on the tip of his penis now? He might. <laughs> he says like the green goblin's face on the end of his cock. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, I'd still include it in my film. Yeah, why not? You could make up some bullshit uh, symbolism thing or something. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. That's messed up. Anything. I don't know. I forget where I saw that, but I've seen it a few times. There's probably some on like page I follow about like movie facts or some shit. I have no idea. That must be. Uh... But if you're interested, look it up after. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like when I'm, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to just pop that into a Google search. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Penis. <laughs> yeah. No problem. <laughs> It's actually it'll come up as a suggestion because I've already looked it up. Um, yeah, I think one of the keys to this movie too is uh, the amount of like snappy dialogue, witty dialogue. This movie's a lot of fun with words, you know. Like I, I'm a big word person, um, and there's a lot of just well crafted jokes throughout here. Um, even uh, when Iron Man is introducing himself to Mysterio, Mysterio sitting there doodling cartoons at the desk, and Iron Man's like, you know, the guy that used to sit there was a great cartoonist. And then uh, he's like, "Hi, I'm Iron Man," and he like reaches out his hand, and then Mysterio's like, "I've been here for nine months," you know? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, the Hulk, incredible detective. Uh. Loved the Hulk's performance in this. The lot of actors in Marvel movies is my point. I know. I know yeah. <laughs> it's just like this entire cast is like Marvel characters. Very strange. I was, wait, I was waiting for him just to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, when, uh, when Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Hey, bullet." It's been two. It's been a year and a half. You're gonna catch this fucking guy or not? I was expecting Mark Ruffalo to turn around and be like, "Yeah, I could just smash him in the parking lot." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I just like all of that. Like, I, I I wrote down a couple that I really enjoyed, but um, when he talks to the dude that uh, <laughs> he talks to the dude that does like the coffee and donuts on the floor of the San Francisco Chronicle. And Jake Gyllenhaal is like, hey, uh, does it bother you that people call you Shorty? And Shorty's just like, oh, I don't know. Does it bother you that people call you retard? And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, nobody calls me that. And Shorty just kind of like smiles and nods. And then Jake Gyllenhaal walks over to Paul Avery and he's like, hey, does anybody here call me names? And Avery's like, what, like retard? And he's like, yeah. And Avery's just like, no. <laughs> that whole fucking joke. I, I fucking love that moment. Every time I see it, I giggle. Um, and actually, right after that, there's uh, that's when uh, Paul Avery gets the Zodiac card in the mail. Mm-hmm. 
and he opens it up and he's like jesus christ and he like throws it on the ground he's like tell me that's not the, tell me that that's not what i think it is tell me that that's not it and like they show uh gray smith like kick the card open and it just has like the piece of paul stein's bloody shirt and mm-hmm. uh paul avery's like tell me that's not a bloody shirt shit call the cops and he like takes off and like jake joan hall's reaction he's like looking down and seeing like a genuine zodiac note on the floor like in person right in front of him and like just his like wow and he like yeah. smiles and stuff like that whole reaction is really cute like that whole fucking thing is great mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i think the amount of like funny dialogue in this movie kind of like keeps your attention too like it's it is a it is a surprisingly funny movie yeah yeah I can imagine how tough it'd be to be Graysmith's wife when he's like obsessively like sticking his nose in this business and she's like why are you doing this he's like because nobody else will and she's like that's not good enough like you know you're going on to your you know you're in newspaper articles going on TV like what the fuck and he's like I'm gonna do it anyway and she's like you're an idiot he's like no I'm not you're being paranoid it's like do this Someone calling the house once a week, just breathing. He's like, nah, it's cool. <laughs> it was a wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I thought that... Uh, that scene I, when they're at dinner and the news comes on and he's like trying to like look past her and she's just like got that death stare. Dude, his uh, so good. He, he like tries to deflect it. He's just like, oh yeah, these uh, these. I think it was green beans. Was he having? He's like, oh man, these green beans are great. You know, he's trying to like act like he's not thinking about the news report. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna work. Um, but yeah, I uh, you know, I think that the, there's a lot of comedy in this movie, and um, I. I just think that they, you know, they did a great job with it. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the ones that I like a lot too is uh, the first time that, like what Dave Toski and Graysmith meet each other for the first time at like a special screening of uh, Dirty Harry. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Toski actually walks out of the theater because he's just like he can't watch a movie that's based uh, on his investigation you know he just can't do it and uh that's the first time that Toski and Graysmith ever really speak to each other um but later on in the movie when Graysmith goes to like approach him at his desk uh a a couple years later actually Graysmith's like hi we met at the movies once and just Toski's response being like Oh, it must have been magical. You know, <laughs> it's fucking great. You know, so many good lines. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like one of the things that I constantly go back to in this movie, every time I watch it, it becomes a little bit more solidified in my mind. But, you know, you talk about his wife, there's a scene where he's Graysmith, it's right before he decides that he's going to make the Zodiac book. Um, 
he's like sitting in his apartment and he's flipping through a photo album of all of these newspaper clips and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he winds up seeing um, he winds up seeing no. He's looking at all these things and he's kind of getting like sucked into it. And then he hears I'm not Avery from like behind him and it's his wife and, and she startled him. Right. And it's the scene that we've seen once before, uh, not in this movie in another movie in jaws. Um, it's Brody is sitting in his house and he's looking at pictures of uh, people who have been attacked by sharks and paintings of sharks attacking people, blah, blah, blah getting super sucked into it and then his wife sneaks up behind him and startles him right and uh it's funny it's something that i've like it slowly dawned on me but i think that this movie and jaws are kind of the same movie just instead of a shark it's a serial killer <laughs> yeah i never thought of it that way i've been thinking i've been looking at it more and like you have a you have a idealistic kind of rookie that doesn't really know anything about hunting serial killers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the idealistic rookie that doesn't know anything about hunting sharks is Brody in Jaws, right? Ultimately, he's the guy that catches the shark, right? Hooper's the one that's hiding from the shark. Quint gets eaten by the shark. Um, but Brody's the one that actually captures the shark. And in this story, Robert Graysmith is the one that actually gets to confront Arthur Lee Allen, gets to look him in the eye, gets to say, I know who you are. Um, so that lines up. And then the other two spots, it's like the the shark hunter that like that's his entire life's work is going out there, pulling sharks out of the water, fucking killing them, you know, and like that's what he does. You know, he is a vet, a veteran of doing that shit. Um that's Dave Toski, right? And then you have Matt Hooper, who's smart, knowledgeable, bookish, um, pushes the veterans buttons, you know? Uh, and it's like, that's your, like, that is kind of how Paul Avery functions in terms of the Zodiac story, you know? Like, he's constantly kind of rubbing Dave Toski the wrong way. He's constantly being kind of a smart ass, you know? It's like, yeah, like this is the story of like these three guys trying to take down this gigantic shark. It's the Zodiac, <laughs> you know? That's a pretty fucking cool comparison there. Right? Yeah. The more I the more I look into it, the more I'm like, holy shit, it's right there. Like it's all at the surface, you know. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is they never shoot barrels into uh Arthur Lee Allen so that they know where yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know they were like one scene away from doing that you know it's it's a shame i i also really want the scene too where arthur lee allen hops up onto dave toski's car and toski slides down the hood and arthur lee allen like eats him yes. <laughs> i want that scene too uh, it's a weird it's a weird comparison to make but the more i think about it the more i'm like holy shit that actually works you know um i just picture like a photoshopped image 
of um John Carroll Lynch, like with a when the, the jaws is and it's like his face is just ginormous and his mouth is open. You know what? Uh, you know, you Photoshop know skills, or I do it. You don't know <laughs> it yet, but that's actually going to be on our Instagram page very shortly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. Thank do you it. for that inspiration. Um, yeah, I uh, trying to think of other things that I want to bring up, but uh, they wind up bringing Melvin Belli. This is a true thing that actually happened. Melvin Belli was like an attorney um, and they bring him on the news and basically to have a conversation with the Zodiac killer who's going to call in uh, and that uh, that actually happened in real life it was broadcasted with the Zodiac, the Zodiac it's probably not the Zodiac saying like I'm going to kill them I'm going to kill those kids on live TV and shit which is fucking crazy yeah. Um, that scene, uh, the voice, this is a fun little bit of trivia. The voice of the Zodiac killer in that scene is actually Charles Fleischer, who knew Jake Gyllenhaal since Jake Gyllenhaal was three. Charles Fleischer is a voice actor of some acclaim. You might know him as the voice of Roger Rabbit, who framed Roger Rabbit. And uh, also, he appears later in this movie as uh, creepy fucking Bob Vaughn, one <laughs> of the spookiest characters in the entire fucking movie. What a goddamn ghoul. Yeah, like definitely Nosferatu. takes pleasure. Yeah, he takes pleasure in it, too. He knows he's creepy. Oh, and he's man. like, I don't care if I'm prime suspect right now. I'm just going to enjoy the shit out of this. I like the like this is a movie ultimately, I think, about like obsession you know, and like what happens to people who become obsessed and like, like you, you, you're inundated with information, right? There's so many different things, so many different ways to look at things and you're completely lost in all of it. And mm -hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is somebody that it's not like he went into a maze. It's like the maze was built around him and then he's trying to navigate his way out so that he can move on. And that's his entire thing. But in trying to get out, you know, he has to run down leads with people that he doesn't know. And Bob Vaughn is one of those characters where it's like, oh, like this is a guy that says he knows what's going on. And then like he winds up in Bob Vaughn's house and he's like talking about one of the other suspects, Rick Marshall. And like the handwriting of Rick Marshall is the closest that the handwriting expert has ever seen to matching the Zodiac killers. And, uh, he's talking to Vaughn about it and Vaughn when he's like he's talking about Rick Marshall's handwriting and everything and like how it matches the the letters the the posters match the letters and everything and Bob Vaughn is just like oh well Rick Rick didn't do the posters I I did all the handwriting on our movie posters and you're like oh okay yeah and then he's like oh I have an old film reel that Rick told me to keep for him it's down in my basement and they've already made it a point of talking about like the zodiac references having a basement and uh not a lot of houses in california have basements because of earthquakes and stuff so like yeah yeah that, that moment like it's literally oh no the handwriting that matches the zodiacs is my handwriting also i have a film canister that belongs to rick marshall in my basement 
and like the way that Jake Gyllenhaal turns around he's like not many houses have basements in California and Bob Vaughn's just standing at the top of the stairs and he's like well mine does yeah he like turns the light on and it's like holy shit but like he's so in it that Jake Gyllenhaal like follows him down the stairs into the basement and like that whole scene is just so fucking creepy here here's like creaking upstairs and he's like do you is there anybody else in the house right now and like the way that bob Vaughn is just like oh i don't know would you like to check and it's just like oh no yeah. no 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 really creepy scene love every yeah. second of it <laughs> so good i was like this guy knows what he's doing and he's like you i don't know you you think he would try and veer any like suspicion of himself off himself? Mm. Like if someone was like, "Oh, his homes in California don't have a basement," I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, mine does. So like, yeah, it's uh, comes in comes in handy, you know. Nothing weird going on down there." But he's just like, "Mine does. Boop. Mine does. It's where I keep the bodies." Yeah. Yeah. All that that whole thing is uh is great. Like it's great that even the. Uh, when they're down in the basement and the Bob Vaughn's like half in shadow and he's like, do you think he saw uh, the most dangerous game at our theaters and was inspired? You know, <laughs> just the way that he says it and you're just like, what the fuck? You're so weird, dude. Um, and then when Jake Gyllenhaal like manages to leave the house, like he, the, the door is weird. It doesn't have a lock like that you lock with your hand. It has a lock that you need a key to open. So yeah. like Jake can't get out of the fucking house. And then Bob Vaughn like comes up behind him and then he like reaches past him and unlocks the door for him. And like Grace Smith's just like, thank you. And like takes off running because he's like, what the fuck just almost happened to me? And like yeah. that moment of like Bob Vaughn standing on the porch and he's like, night, Mr. Graysmith. And he yeah. kind of like smiles and is like, yeah, like he's just fucking with this poor guy, like for yeah. no reason, you know? Um but I like the idea, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of those types of narratives where somebody uh, becomes obsessed and then follows their obsession to their ruin. Um, so it kind of flirts with that idea, like, oh, my God, is Gray Smith going to die at the hands of the Zodiac? Like, is he going to solve the mystery at the cost of his life? You know? Yeah. Uh, which, if you know anything about, like, the true story, you know that that's not what happens, but it's kind of a fun thing that they kind of play with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that seems very tense. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. And even I wrote down Vaughn's creepy sidestep is something I really like. It's like you see Jake Gyllenhaal running past the camera this way and like the way that they came down and Bob Vaughn does this thing where instead of running past like that, he takes like this weird kind of right hand turn so it makes you feel like he's like going into some other location or you know about to grab something else or like just a weird kind of it's a weird kind of like staging that they do or blocking of that scene is really interesting um Mm -hmm. the only thing that's like kind of different than real life is uh paul avery uh doesn't he never lost his mind like they kind of show in this story, like it, it makes it yeah. seem like he got a houseboat and started drinking heavy and was never the same and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, actually, like he wrote like a pretty successful book that I, I think was turned into a movie. He died. He did die in. Uh, 
think in the nineties, I think he died of like a pulmonary emphysema or something because of the smoking, but uh, not nearly as big of a fall from grace and reality as what they depict with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey well, Jr.'s. Sorry. That was, a, that was just, that was just Robert Downey Jr. Being Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> he actually said he didn't do a lot of research for this part. Um, like oh, yeah? Mark, Mark Ruffalo and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal both actually still had the real people alive to talk to about it. And uh, because Paul Avery had already died, Robert Downey Jr. was like, I kind of made up um, elements of it. I, I had a little bit more creative freedom, you know, and I just kind of played what I thought was on the page, you know. It's like the extent of my, I think he said the extent of his research was like, looking at newspaper reporters and what that life is like you know yeah but i know a lot of people said mark ruffalo went to have like a weekend with dave toski and when he came back he was fully dave toski like he had completely absorbed who that person was and uh everything about like his mannerisms and stuff had you know been adjusted to kind of better match dave toski which is cool mm-hmm um and you know it, there's a bunch of different things in this movie we could talk forever about um but i think the last thing that i would really like to bring up is just the the dialogue um surrounding detection and the way that they intercut the investigations of Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith with the investigations of Dave Toski and Bill Armstrong to help kind of give you expositional dialogue without bogging the story down, without feeling like you're being told expositional dialogue. Um, I thought that was great, you know, just all around, just a fucking great, great editing um, for a story that I think could become really unwieldy um, if you weren't careful, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Got anything else? No, no. They, um, you know, it was one of these movies that kind of ended with like, you know, we talked about before where they had those fake like, this is what happened before, you know, after the fact, and they, you know, yeah. uh, what did we talk about that on? Um, what movie was it? I'm, I know, uh, uh, a simple favor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, where it's like but, these aren't real people. Like these aren't real people when you're talking about like what their lives turned into instead of just showing us. And it's like Yeah. It just was weird. It, it feels more appropriate in an actual historical fiction. Right, like this movie. Yeah. But you know, it's nice to kind of them like to sum it up at the end. Little fun yeah. facts of how after um what was it like? I think it was like days before they could even like confront lee about um you know what they got a fingerprint or something i feel what it said but you know like just by chance the dude just suffers a massive heart attack and dies by chance yeah i have a conspiracy theory about that though yeah you want to share yeah um so uh you know, Arthur Lee Allen is scheduled to do like an interview. He dies of a heart attack. And, you know, it's like, oh, what a terrible, unfortunate coincidence. 
But during that inter- interview slash interrogation scene that's in the film, he talks about his neighbor, Bill White, who saw bloody knives that Arthur had in the back of his trunk shortly after the Lake Berryessa murder. Cecilia Shepard died. Um, and he's, he says that, uh, that like a couple of days after that bill white had died of a heart attack so he was never able to like go on the record or whatever about what he had seen and all that stuff Mm -hmm. it's it's curious to me that like uh somebody that saw arthur lee allen with knives that were covered in probably cecilia shepherd's blood uh dies of a heart attack and then years later when they're about to be like hey we need to have a conversation with you because we got some new evidence arthur we allen drops dead of a heart attack and i i understand the dude wasn't necessarily healthy looking but it's just weird and one of the things uh like arsenic poisoning uh is something that in a in an acute dosage would be in an acute dosage could induce a heart attack and a medical examiner might look at a per- like if you weren't suspecting them to have been poisoned you would have just been like oh they died of a heart attack and you wouldn't have looked any further but if you had run yeah. an actual toxicology report i'd be interested to see if this neighbor of arthur lee allen was poisoned to death um and i'd be interested to see if arthur lee allen himself took a fatal dose of arsenic when he realized that they were about to catch him and he was like i don't mm-hmm. want my legacy to be ruined you know um but I don't know, that might be just my brain being like, oh my God, the heart attacks, it's a link, it's a link. And it's like mm-hmm. half of all men die of heart attacks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that big of a coincidence, no big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something to think about though. Yeah, cool. I like, the, I like the theories. Yeah, I mean, you know, you always wonder. I mean, this is, this is a, a case with like, you know, like when we talked about Jack the Ripper, Jack the Ripper had that same quality where it was like it was so fantastic. And uh, there were so many people being like, I'm Jack the Ripper, or, you know, my uncle's Jack the Ripper, or my mom is Jack the Ripper. You know, like there was so much information thrown out during that time because of how sensationalized those crimes were that they couldn't sift through all of them. And then like the actual evidence was like hidden in all of this information. And mm-hmm. I think that whoever the Zodiac was, whether it was Arthur Lee Allen or not, I think that they understood that that was a lesson that they learned from Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper killed five women. The Zodiac, we can only confirm, killed five people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, he claimed to have killed many others, just like Jack the Ripper did. Um, and other people did the same thing that they did back then with Jack the Ripper. They started saying, hey, I'm the Zodiac. And, you know, they started sending in false tips or they started letting their imaginations get away with them. And they started having things like, uh, like <laughs> there's a moment where they're interviewing all of these people. Like they're trying to illustrate just how much information was being tossed at Toski and Armstrong. And, like there's a guy like, I worked with a dude, uh, you know, I worked at a, with a dude down at the Department of Sanitation. One day, uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the the the, uh, the 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 machines there it rolled over his foot and it crushed his foot. And then a week later, the murders start. Coincidence? And you're like, yeah, 
yeah it's a yeah. coincidence man you know yeah. <laughs> like why did why are you telling us all this we don't care that doesn't yeah. uh but it's like I, I think people i don't know what it is there's something about human psychology like we get excited about you know this kind of garish macabre shit and i think the zodiac killer knew that and i think that he used it to his advantage to try to create a smoke screen and people yeah. were happy to provide it you know it's a tough case yeah for real um i'll give you one more quick little factoid you remember yeah. how paul avery goes to meet somebody uh about the zodiac mm -hmm. all right that person that he was going to meet was going to be played by limp biscuit no way hand to <laughs> how god did, how did that not happen i mean come on it's limp well biscuit. they they brought him in and they filmed the scene and then apparently david fincher was like why did i ask a guy to come in and act who can't act and then he yeah. cut it from the movie appropriately so there are these great pictures of uh, limp biscuit at the premiere of zodiac i hope uh, he knows his scenes were cut oh <laughs> uh, well take a look at his face and i feel like you can get the vibe that he seems a little bit sad <laughs> I think they he, David Fincher just walked up and said, "You sucked," and I cut you. And then yeah. they were like, "Hey, Limp Biscuit, smile!" And they took a picture <laughs> yeah. of him, and that's what you got. No one knows what it's like. Yeah, be the sad man. Yeah, very dramatic, very sad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we covered pretty much everything that I really want to cover. Um. I'm sure that there's stuff missing that I'm going to be like, ah, oh, man, I really should have brought that up. But I uh, feel pretty good. I feel like we, we did all right. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like a, like a pretty good breakdown of 2007 film Zodiac. Um, yeah. That's all, folks. If you haven't seen the movie... And you yeah. listen to this podcast. We just want to say that you should watch it. If you're interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend you sit down and watch Zodiac if you have not. I wouldn't. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Done. That's it. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week. Bye. Ron, Ron's making a heart with his hands on the gun too. I can never do it right. It doesn't. It's not too fat. No, that's okay. Are you fat sure? heart. Fat heart. That's what Arthur Lee Allen died of. Yeah. That's fat heart. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die too. Hey, I'm going on vacation this week, guys. We talked about that a little bit on the show. Um, but we will be back next week, same time. All right. And we don't know exactly what we're going to be talking about just yet, but uh, it'll be fun after that. We do know what we're talking about, though. So next week's episode is a freebie. We don't know exactly where we're going, but then we're going to watch Man of Steel. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman. And then the Snyder Cut's coming out, guys. So the week after that, we'll be talking about the Snyder Cut. And we might have some special guests joining us for that discussion. So... 
stay tuned. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Guys, I got to make a quick edit. Yeah, as much as I researched for this episode, I made a little tiny mistake. James Vanderbilt did not write the movie Slenderman. He was only a producer of it. And that just means that he read the Slenderman script and thought it was worth putting money into. Doesn't make it better. Not by a damn sight. I forgot to talk about the moral of the story on the episode. So here it is. The moral of Zodiac is don't fuck with cartoonists. We'll get you.